Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week, we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week, we watched Westworld, directed by Michael Crichton and released in 1973. The plot goes something like this. A futuristic amusement park staffed by robots welcomes a group of visitors for the perfect vacation. Yeah, um, so there's a new TV show out of Westworld, um, obviously, and uh, that's why I was tempted to watch this movie in the first place is because I thought I would watch the new show, but I'd watch the old movie for reference and mm-hmm. to see the differences. Then I haven't actually gotten around to watching the new show yet. <laughs> yeah, likewise. I just, well, I, I mean to. I just haven't got there yet. I didn't realize anything about it. I didn't realize it was Michael Crichton. I didn't realize that it. Um, there's a very famous Simpsons episode based on this show. <laughs> Um, and, and it also has quite a lot in common with um, Jurassic Park, which is obviously a much more famous Michael Crichton story. But the thing that surprised me about Westworld is I thought it was a movie that was made in the 80s. The only person I knew was in it was Yul Brynner, and it's not like he aged a whole bunch between like the beginning of his film career and the end of it. So, um, so I yeah. thought it was made in the 80s. It's actually made in 1973, and that surprised me. Um, I was really, really genuinely surprised by um, how – impressive it is for 1973 this is four years before star wars yeah although i do think watching it um it owes quite a bit to um 2001 a space odyssey and stanley kubrick as well it does but at the same time i think they they, it was the first movie that had computer graphics in it was Um, it yeah um, for the um pixelated yeah that's yeah yeah that's that's the first it's the first movie to have that in it um and uh they do some really interesting things um with the um, not idealistically, but like just, um, you know, with the faces and stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah. A little bit alien with the heads being removed and things like that. I just mm-hmm. thought it was quite impressive for being made in 1973. Yes. It, um, I, yeah, I sort of felt like it had a real 60s aesthetic to it. So mm-hmm. that didn't surprise me that it was made in 1973. Yeah, but, but I, I didn't see. I thought it was made in the 80s before I saw it. Once I saw right. it, I was like, oh, this clearly yeah. isn't made in the 80s, but I just was surprised that it was that early. Yeah. And well, cause the subject matter is quite, I mean, that that kind of subject matter about um, AIs and you know nearly human the robots taking over that was very popular I think um, became more popular in the eighties and early nineties mm-hmm. so it's ahead of its time really I, yeah I think it's ahead of its time too I was actually um, really pleasantly surprised by it I think um, there were certain things about it that are definitely of its period that I don't like so much like the pacing and the um, very intense focus on dudes. Yeah. <laughs> like it's very man heavy, but I actually think that there's a really, really interesting and more feminist storyline in it than a lot of other things that have explored this AI concept. Um, and I would argue more than like most other AIs take over movies that you've seen, because it's one of the first ones to explore this concept of like the, um, the female robots' bodies not belonging to themselves and like them revolting against that. Yeah. Cause the first person who is punished for going to this place, the first person who is killed is a guy who makes advances on a servant in his castle mm-hmm. and is rebuffed. Yes. And then they're all like, Oh no, she can't do that. You know, um, they're not supposed to be able to do that, but he's the first person. And also, um, his, like the queen who is a robot, mm. um, seems to be very angry about that like you get a lot of reaction shots from her um and so i thought that that story was way more interesting than the main story that was going on i was really fascinated by this concept and this is like again because it's so early i thought that was really interesting that it seemed very like it seemed like it was punishing him 
for doing these things to the robots. Yes, yeah, I see. I see that too. Um, and I was just thinking about there's some good scenes where the robots go um, at nighttime to get repaired as well. And there's one with a, a female robot where I think I can't remember what they're trying to do, but she's done something wrong and they need to fix her and they can't get the right part. So they, they're actually literally talking about her body like an object. Oh, you know, the, if that part doesn't fit in there, just shove it up higher in the chest cavity kind yeah. of thing. That I thought that was absolutely fascinating. Yeah, those scenes were really, really well done too. Mm. And, um, and those scientists are also punished. Um, mm-hmm. And then – the other thing that was really interesting to me was at the beginning of the movie they do this cute little like ad bit for yeah, West, yeah. for the for the company I don't remember the name of the company I'm sorry but all the Demos all the worlds yeah. yeah and all the worlds you can visit and the person who goes to the pleasure world the ancient Greece one um, is a woman and yes. she's talking about in, in coded oh, yeah, language yeah, but she's clearly room, talking yeah. about having sex with all the guys there and, and she's sitting next to her husband who's really mad at her for doing this yeah and it, that was really interesting to me too that they chose to explore a woman's sexuality with that rather than a man's yes um was really interesting to me so yeah i i thought westworld was quite quite ahead of its time in a lot of those sorts of yeah but then we end up just following james brolin and the lead guy with the mustache mm. who is so boring um, and that kind of was like the whole back end of the movie I found pretty boring. Well, I, I found the whole thing a little boring because it's slow, but by modern standards, it's very slow. That was the, the, the last example that I was going to give, sorry, about the feminism of the movie was there's a bit at the end where there's a robot that's chained up. Oh yeah. Female robot. Yeah. Yeah. A female robot that's chained up and he thinks it's a human. Yeah. Cause she's saying, goes, help me, help me. Right. And he goes to save her. And he's like, I'll drink this water. And she's like, oh, no, no, no. Because apparently robots have the same weakness as the witch, Wicked Witch of the West. Um, <laughs> and he goes to save her and he um, he forces the water on her and she melts and she's a robot. And you're like, it was a really interesting idea of like how men see women, mm. you know. And, and I thought that was an interesting choice to make. And then he's so horrified by that. And that's like kind of the thing that breaks him. And I was like, that's so weird. That's such an interesting kind of choice to make. Mm. Yeah, I, I wrote down at that point. What does it never rain in Westworld? Because, like, if it it must never ever ever rain, or there must be in an artificial um dome, because otherwise, if it rained, all the all the robots would die. But there's water everywhere. Right? There's like this river there's, connecting all three of the worlds, and horse troughs, and like there's people drink at the bar all the time. Are the horses real horses or are they robots? No, the horses are robots because they they show at nighttime. There's a dead horse being pulled out with the doesn't he ride crew. the robot through the water though? That doesn't he ride oh, the horse through the water? So he does so ride it must a horse be a real horse. Well, that's interesting because there's a dead horse shown being cleaned up by the crew at nighttime and it looks robot-like. It gets broken in such a way as to not look like a real horse would break. Um, that's a good question because he does. He rides the horse through the water. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, there's a plot hole for you. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think because I think I was talking something about how by modern standards, like it, it is very slow. Oh, yeah, like it does, yeah. and our lead, like I mean, he's 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 not an actor who I've ever heard of, like, mm. and I don't think he he did a lot since then. And he's kind of he's kind of meant to be an everyman, and I co- sort of get that, and he's he can do that a little bit, but he just he doesn't really carry carry the story. Um, there and, were funny things too, like oh, I haven't been with a woman in a long time, and things like that, where you're like. Is this supposed to be endearing us to him? Because yeah, because it's, it's, it's yeah, because it appears from at the start that he's um embittered from his divorce. He's like, that's right. He still he thinks talking his about wife's going to come back to him or something. And he's like, and the other guy's like, no, nah, forget about her. He doesn't say bitches be crazy because it's 1973, but he sort of says, 
you know, you can do better than that. She'll just take you for everything you've got kind of thing. Um, and, and you are supposed to feel like you're on his side. Um, I think it's, it's funny how like sensibilities do change over time though, because it was the pacing thing, but also the, just the, the sheer like amount of men's stories being prioritized. Cause not just him. Like I, I expect the lead to be a man, but there's like, there's no female sidekicks. They're, the only woman we even really see who's got any kind of a character is, um, Major Barrett's playing like a madam. Um, and the Queen, I think, has a bit of character as well. But I think Major robot. Barrett's also supposed to, supposed be, to be a robot, robot yeah. which is interesting. I think almost all the women in this movie are robots, except for that one woman who went to the, the pleasure tourist woman, yeah, place yeah. at the beginning. Although you can definitely see why I don't see why any woman would go to Westworld. No, why would you? Well, the thi- that's my thinking. Being the history buff that I am, why would any woman go back in the past, like to any of these times? It's not going to be even ancient Rome. When you're a woman, is only good if you're in a very small class of women who are either very rich or you have your own are able to control your own money because you're an entrepreneur. There's well, like, a these women were very rich. I yeah, mean, it's a thousand dollars a day traveled, in 1973. Yes. But B also, I think I, I get the feeling that ancient Rome wasn't very historically accurate. I think that place was just Pleasure Island, right? Like it was just, yeah, just pure, orgies and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, like I, there's no way going back to the the medieval one because that would be terrible. Like no, I can definitely see why women might be interested in like the medievals with the at um, least there are princesses roles and for the women. queens and yeah, that sort of thing. Exactly, but there Westworld, are... there's nothing. What no, have you got for women? You, you can, can either be... be a madam, a hotel proprietor, or a whore. Yeah, and uh, and they don't. I mean, there were a lot of women who were um, cowgirls in the yeah. West. There were a lot of women who were outlaws. Well, there are also women but, who are just like farmers' wives and stuff. Like you know, yes. most of the cowboy, like most you know, cowboys or people who lived in the West had a wife. Yeah, but that's not the yeah. fantasy of going to Westworld. The fantasy yeah. of going to Westworld is being a cowboy, yeah, right? and being a or little being boy, the sheriff, yeah, or whatever. The like there were yeah, men in the town who total wanted to be a sheriff. Boys' own fantasy, which is makes me interested to see how the TV show will look. But anyway, but that's the thing when we're, we're talking about going back to the, um, there were cowgirls and there were this sort of thing, but Westworld is based very much on like the vision of the old west that we've seen from movies um it's not based on like yeah. the real old west where there were a lot of outlaws who were um who were women and people of color and i've learned a lot more about this um with the red dead redemption thing that's come out recently and with magnificent 7 yeah there's i've seen all these um stories and pictures and things of all these people so but because it's based on that kind of the movies the concept from the movies it's such a masculine power fantasy adventure it's a funny that the timing as well because being 1973 this is the it, the the men who were in the lead like 30 something men would have grown up in the 40s and 50s with that those the cowboy movies that actually shaped mm-hmm. the idea of the west like that so it's it's quite literally um pandering to them yeah it is i mean that yeah that, but that's the thing is that this is about that kind of pandering to um those those people and what are the consequences of that Mm. Um, and you know, there's some moments in the movie as well. Like I was taking this sort of point of view immediately, even though the movie doesn't take this point of view, I was just in my head thinking about it as the robots are the heroes of this story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think they, they kind of are. Um, I mean, I know that Yul Brynner is sort of the villain of the movie for going after the main character, but it feels to me more like the main character is the villain of the movie and the robots are like. Yeah. rising up against well, their oppressors yeah, and trying yeah. to get them out. No, it feels very very much like that. And um, t- taking it in the context of this is written by the same guy who ended up writing Jurassic Park, it, it is. It's the idea of people um, taking taking their own power way too far 
and impose, trying to impose their will on sentient beings, like uh, on other beings. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely the people are the villains. The doctors, the people, the men in white coats, are, I, I think, coded very strongly as villains. And you mm. don't feel, you don't really feel bad for them when they all die of suffocation because the robots have locked them in because these are the people who sit around all day deciding on trying to force the female robots to be sexy, making the men, you know, slightly worse so that they'll lose in a duel to some tourist. Like, of course the robots are the heroes of this movie. Yeah, and that was really interesting as well because it's it seems like it's a revenge fantasy, but, like, from the point of view that the main character is trying to take revenge against because the main character, to me, seems to be the uh, gunslinger, the Yul Brynner character, right? Right. So he's really the hero of the movie and he keeps trying to take revenge on the people who keep killing yeah, him. People keep coming into town and shooting him. Exactly. Um, but he's programmed to get into this fight with these guys, right? Yeah. But he can't kill them and they keep killing him. And then the next day mm. he goes back. He doesn't even – I thought it was just uh, just watching it, you know, really interesting to watch him hunt them down. He went and found them mm-hmm. to try and kill them. Yeah, yeah. Even though he can't do it. He went and found them. He f- found them in their hotel room. Yeah. And they just killed him on sight the second time. They just killed him. And then the third day, that's when he, like, just goes really kind of hunts down this guy. And, yeah. And he kills James Brolin. And, and, obviously- and by the time he kills James Brolin, I was cheering for him. I was right. like, yeah, you kill that guy. And obviously, that's, that after that, um, the second time when he, in the hotel room, and the main guy gets put in jail because oh, so obviously somebody in the command structure of the humans has realized that this can't keep happening mm-hmm. that we can't just let the humans in to kill as many robots as, as you want and then have the robots not be able to kill the humans that's just not going to work and we need to do something but obviously it's not enough and it's it's too little too late by that point um sorry so well like it's not enough like they haven't the, someone is saying yes we need to make it a little bit fairer but like who? Well, I don't know. But the, he gets thrown in jail, right? And the sheriff says, "No, no more just killing in the streets anymore." What? So after Yulbrunner breaks into the hotel room and they shoot him yeah. on sight, the main guy gets put in jail, right? Because oh yeah, yeah. No, but that's not that. I, I'm pretty sure the sheriff. Oh no, that sheriff was a robot. This sheriff. Yeah, but this sh- was. I think that was just part of the programming. Like this is the law in this uh, town, and then they get to break them out, and then like it's. I think that was part of the fantasy and the right. storytelling. Okay. I don't. I don't think that was anything about command structures or anything. Okay. I'm, I'm, so I, therefore, then they don't. They aren't trying at all. They're, no. I, I, no. In fact, they they're cracking down harder. Yeah, they yeah. are. They they really crack down on this. And like, there's a bit where the the rattlesnake bites James Brolin yep. and they freak out. But that's the first sign of trouble for them. Yeah. Um. And I one one thing I did appreciate was that I didn't get that feeling f- like you did from um watching. That Hiddles movie, um, High Rise. High Rise, where you're like, why don't these people just leave? Mm. Because it happens much faster than that. Yeah, like then one there's there's this little glitch in the programming that starts, but then it spreads like a computer uh. virus. Essentially, is yeah. what happens, and all of the robots get immediately affected effect, yeah. affected by this virus. Um, and they they even use that metaphor as a, of a virus, not yeah. a computer virus, but a virus. Yeah, and so you get why. And then it all kind of happens yeah, just it happens in one day. Too, too quickly for people to kind of realize what's going on. Yeah, which I appreciate because I don't like the movies where they where you're like, but this is it didn't require me to suspend as much disbelief as I no. have to for those ones. No, and and you can also see like I think I wrote down when it became obvious to us that something was wrong with the robots versus when it became obvious to the characters. Mm-hmm. And there's like a third of a movie in between, or maybe like. W- w- about a third of the way through, we realize, and about ha- it's only about halfway through that the rattlesnake thing happens, mm. and um, it is interesting to watch that because when stuff starts to go wrong with the robots, 
people are just like, yes, it's part of the fun kind mm. of thing. Like the, the guy being rebuffed by um, the servant girl who mm. that he's like, it's it's the um, the programmers who are mad about that, not mm-hmm. him. The programmers like, oh no, she shouldn't have done that. He's like, yes, this is exactly what would have happened if I was a fifteenth century king, right? And when the, he gets into the fight with the knight as well, yes, exactly. Um, which is it's interesting because the queen is the one who tells him to fight the knight and then how to fight the knight, like that keep on his right side. And yeah, things. yeah. And it's almost like like it seems like she's planning for the knight to kill him by not having those flaws. Mm. Like she knows what's going to happen. Um, yeah, which like is she why and I was the really knight have have um, you know inspired. Inspired, yes. Which is why I was really interested in that. So, so much more interested in that storyline. Seems to me like the queen and the gunslinger are the two people who are like most responsible for this. Like they're the main um, organizers. Not organize, not just organizers, but like protagonists. Like the people yeah. who get things in motion for this movie happening. Yes. Like the people who have the most kind of effect on the plot are the queen and the gunslinger, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I just think that. I mean. When you actually break it down as a story, it really does seem like this is a movie that's like, and I, I know people, I mean, because I, I read some reviews of this and it was sort of, they were sort of going, oh, it's a typical movie from 1973 about how, um, how evil AI are going to take over. And I'm talking as somebody who, by the way, is genuinely afraid of the robot apocalypse. Yes, I, I think know. I've mentioned this before. I know. But, um, this movie seemed to actually not be that at all. It seemed to be very much like, much more modern in its sensibility. Well, it was like, if the robot apocalypse happens, it will be your fault. Yeah. You know, we can avoid the robot apocalypse by being, if if we create AIs, by being nice to them. Yeah. Like, it's actually a pretty simple message. It's interesting, though. But if we create AIs, like... I mean, basically, all these movies are like we can't create AIs to just do our bidding because then... Yeah, because that's not being respected. That's slavery, yeah. Um, and that's in- that's interesting. But this goes like even further than that. That that they're not just uh, and they're not just slaves. Like a lot of them are just kind of things that we actually want robots to do, like be maids or yeah. like be cleaning our house. So you know, mm. some of us have sort of very low grade AI in our house, but yeah. um, but like to be cleaning our houses and to be you know doing these jobs for us. Mm. Um, but this movie goes a step further than that and like these these robots are created to be part of our fantasies not just to yeah. do things for us but to like make us feel more human than them to make us yeah uh, like give us the stories that we want to happen um and um and that's what's wrong that's the wrong bit really that's the bit that the movie is really against yeah well it's just so interesting <laughs> Yeah, because like, it's, it's so much more. It's so much more fascinating than the idea of them just cleaning our houses or whatever. And it's, well, it's also an interesting way of of w- watching how humans will go too far, and like the way that humans go too far is by like having so much money that you can pay to have life work out for you the way it's supposed to. Yeah, or that you can escape your real life by. Like having robots act out your fantasies for you and make That's you right. part of it, and the whole—I mean, the whole idea of amusement parks is very interesting because um, I, whenever I go to Disneyland, get completely sucked into the happiest place on earth stuff. Like I will go to Disneyland and I will have the happiest like three or four days of my life, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. And it ever because everything is designed to make you just completely forget about your regular life and absolutely have fun. And I love that. I absolutely love that. But I also know that it's like that the instinct to keep doing that is a darker instinct like if you the instinct is to always be outside of your real life and to always escape from your problems and the real world and the messiness of humanity that that's a problem 
Mm-hmm. So I think that's interesting too. And this is a point in time when, you know, amusement parks are probably just taking off as well. Yeah. And and also as a, it's about generation, baby boomers, who were the first generation to come of age into like and to have leisure time, you know. Mm. They didn't they didn't have a big war, they didn't live through a depression. They didn't have to struggle as much. The 20s were really I don't know, I think the 20s were really the time when they that started. Um when you've got like the flappers and the really rich people the the great Gatsby oh, yeah, the, type um, thing yeah, the gilded age stuff but people yeah. well that but most of that was there was an era of that that was cut off by world war one yeah and there was a little resurgence of that but that baby boom generation for the people who most of the people who were around at that time that baby boom generation was seen as quite lucky because they hadn't lived through the first world war or the second world war or the depression right mm-hmm. they'd you know been born after all of that and they had as teenagers, they had leisure time, they had cars, they had space. Um, America, ev- Americans had jobs, all that kind of stuff. So it's an interesting view of, um, you know, and, and of course, uh, in the 70s, the baby boomers were considered, you know, the kids these days of that era. So it's a bit like when there are thousands of think pieces now on millennials or the generation that comes after us, there were thousands of think pieces then on the baby boomers and how they're spoiled and how they've never had to live through a war and so they have it too easy and so they all just want pleasure. And like there's an interesting social commentary there. And of course, Michael Crichton's only young when he did this. So he was he was a baby boomer. Like he was, I think, in his early 30s when he made this. Um we we could talk about some of the things that are wrong with the baby boomers for a while, but no. no but I'm I'm just saying. But when they were young, like people thought of the same things about them as they do about us. Like there are th- there there are things that have happened since then, and it's, you're probably right in that that coming of age without having any ever had to really suffer, probably is part of the reason they are the way they are today. Yeah, I can sort of see what you're talking about, but I mean, I was just thinking while you were talking actually about uh, um, the fifties were the onset. That was when the, we started having like teen movies. Yeah, um, that's well. That's when teenagehood became a thing. But it isn't really because teenagehood has kind of always been around. Um, the concept of kids these days, you know, getting yeah. into trouble and all that sort of stuff has been around it's since always, ancient Greece. Right. It um, has. But but I mean, like the, in the fifties was when teenagers, uh, people stayed in education longer than they needed to. Like if you weren't extremely wealthy or privileged before that era you wouldn't stay in school until you know year 10 like you know you were 16 or 18 you would leave when you were 12 because you'd learned enough letters and numbers to get by and yeah. then you would just start working yes but i was just thinking about how like the first sort of teen movies that i can think of that were made were more about how not about how spoiled kids are but were the first ones to kind of actually explore the psychology of teenagers, mm. which I think is really interesting. But that's not really got anything to do with Westworld and something that I think I will have to think on more before I can say more about it. But, you know, I mean, I love Rebel Without a Cause. Um, yeah, that's And I just think it's uh, an interesting idea of, like, uh, anyway. Um, no, I'm sure there's, like, an essay in there. I understand I where you're coming from. I just think it's, it's – uh, um, an interesting idea, yeah. but um, yeah, no. But within Westworld itself, I mean, the, we have talked about a lot of the good things about the movie. I think the movie is almost better to think about than to watch. Yes, and it certainly yes. gave me lots of interesting ideas while I was watching it. But actually, watching it, it can be a real slog. Yeah, especially that back half, man. That back half is like it's just relentless. It is just your Brinner stalking after boring mustache man for like half an hour yeah it is i actually found the, it harder going earlier than later um because i, I just stopped i was almost not watching it i um by the time it okay. ended i was like 
I was watching every so often and then doing other things. I just could barely kind I of had, keep my yeah, attention. See, I had it. more trouble at the start because it takes – it's only a, not even an hour and a half long, this movie, and it takes probably the better part of half an hour to actually get to a point where we can see what's going wrong. Yeah, but I thought that was interesting because they are actually setting up I, – I, I didn't mind that. I thought they did a good job of setting up the world. It's really basic storytelling, but it is this kind of you give them the slice of life – and then you start to see maybe there's a little, couple of little things going wrong and then you see what happens when everything goes wrong, right? So the slice of life stuff, though, I thought – because it was kind of creating this futuristic world of the 70s, I was just kind of enjoying seeing what that their idea of that was. Like the little ad for the, the worlds and then them going on the hovercraft and the way they were talking to each other. And um, I didn't – mind that i didn't have too much yeah of a problem i just with found that. it a bit slow it and it, it, it took a similar while. problem that i had to um 2001 a space odyssey again where you spend quite a bit of time in the touristy um aspect of it 2001 a space odyssey though i found so much more well, boring yeah because yeah because it goes for like 13 and a half hours and but it also like every shot lasts 10 minutes yeah. and they're not the at least in this movie, the dialogue was focused on things that were happening in the movie. Yeah, whereas two thousand and one, the very little dialogue that was there was not focused on what was happening in the movie. Um, I, I actually, yeah, I can see where you're coming from with that, but I don't didn't feel quite as bored with it because I was kind of like it was it was much more focused. Yeah. Um, it it was kind of setting up this world, setting up what Westworld was. Um, I did lose foc- lose interest for a little bit, but then you had stuff like. Um, cause I was thinking about the robots and, and, um, you had stuff like the main character sleeping with the prostitute robot. Mm. And I was thinking about what that meant in terms of the movie and how the movie kind of saw that. Um, yeah, because it focuses there's a lot shot. on her blank face. Yeah, exactly. Her, cause as soon as they get into bed together, her face goes completely blank. But it does that before that. She's not got, like, there seems to be a different level of AI operating between, cause the queen is very, she seems to have, an ability to affect what happens. But this robot didn't seem to have any ability to affect what happened. And when he was talking to her, her responses were not personalized to the situation. It was almost like talking to a, com- to a, uh, not a computer, because now computers are smarter than that. But like, it was, or she was the- talking to someone who had pre-programmed canned responses. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was trying to get to. Well, and, and, and then I got distracted by thinking again, about that, that chimp that you yeah. can talk to on the internet that says really crazy things. I am the people not who- familiar with him, but that's okay. Um, but that brings up an actually interesting point about the like levels of privilege, um, even among the robots. Like there seems to be um, robots who are kind of like worker robots who have seem to have less sophisticated programming, like our prostitute. But there's also some like guards and sort of low life people around the place. Like there's a man sitting on the porch who never says anything, just rocks in his chair, kind of mm-hmm. thing. And then you've got your queen and your gunslinger who have and the woman at the end who's trained to call out for help even though she um even though she doesn't necessarily need it that um that they seem to have more sophisticated programming like they're Mm. more the more privileged robots well i actually thought that perhaps the him sleeping with the prostitute the night before and i think that same prostitute was the one that we saw being like fixed that night yes and then the next day she's not there is she the same girl who's the servant in the other world? Because I thought that maybe her that experience had some effect on the girl the next day who rebuffed no. the. Um, or was the that on the same day? Because the prostitute's name is Arlette, and the servant is called Daphne. Yeah, but 
that so, doesn't mean well, they're, they're played by different actresses. Okay. Well, I I thought that might be connected, but I was might it might have just been me trying to make connections in my mind of what was no, happening. No, they all seem the to be story. played by different actors. Yeah. But I I just thought that was interesting that she didn't have she had those pre-programmed responses, mm-hmm. but a servant girl was able to then rebuff the. So were they advancing at different le- rates then maybe or Yeah, well, has she because she's been around the queen, she's learned a few tricks like she's yeah. Or did they simply just not think enough about the programming of the robots in That's this world? That's right, yeah, maybe not. But, I mean, and, and I Michael think, Crichton seems like he would think about that sort of thing. Yeah, but he also possibly did want to make a point with the prostitute, particularly with the her eyes going blank like the um, and the, the canned responses, it, it making a point about um, men thinking they're entitled to sex and, and women sort of mechanically going through the motions because it's a way to make money kind of thing. Yeah. Like the interest in about the transactional nature of prostitution or the nature of sex as a service for men kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it, it was just an interesting scene because she's so clearly, he's just kind of really kind of pouring his heart out and she's so clearly not responsive to anything that he's saying. Like she just doesn't even know that he's talking really. He's just talking and she's yeah not there um it was just really odd and interesting because it's not the nature of the robots that we've seen so far yeah um and the yeah again the gunslinger kind of seems to have these programmed things that he's supposed to do every day but he seems to be fighting against those he does that the first day but then the second day he goes and hunts those guys down the third day he kind of comes down the street and they have a proper shootout but he straight up kills james brolin and and that moment was really funny don't know if it's meant to be, but James Rowland kind of turns around. He goes, I've been shot. And the guy's still grinning, like the main He's character. Like, ah, you haven't been. Yeah. yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. But the, the thing is, when I keep saying these bit, this bit was really interesting, that bit was really interesting, there's a lot of time in between those bits. Yeah, where you're just sitting Which around are not interesting. Waiting um, for things to happen. Like, there's a long bar fight. A really oh, long bar so fight. it's so boring. And also, I was confused as to which of the guests were people and which ones were robots. Yeah, it would have been... Um, <sighs> I mean, I know why. I know it was useful for the plot to be, have it difficult to tell, but something about looking at their hands and you yeah. could tell, but it was too... But none of them were wearing the hand things for... Yeah. Like, because I would look at their hands in long shots and they weren't wearing yeah. little hand gloves for and long it was, shots. It's too... It, it was too hard. To, like, in thing, something like the bar fight, it was too hard to tell. But that was weird because I was like, but surely humans are getting hurt in this bar fight. Right. Is there, is there an extent to which they can hurt humans but beyond that they can't? Right, yeah, they can't shoot humans but then they can, like, give them a little roughing up. But they can't bite them either. Yeah. And that, you know, that man um, in the medieval world was clearly losing that fight with the, um, the Black Knight well before they tried to stop it and then they couldn't stop it and he died. <laughs> and again, I was like, yay. So, I don't know if I was on the right side on this movie. Yeah. Um, or well, the side, I don't know if I was on the side that the filmmakers were trying to put us on. Again, I feel like the filmmakers were actually trying to put us on the side of the robots. Robots. I'm, well, I just knowing that it's Michael Crichton, I feel like they were on the side of the robots. And then they've got this kind of thing at the end that's like, he's shocked at the devastation of the place. and Yeah. But there's no real ending to it. It just kind of finishes. Well, he, I mean, he defeats his nemesis, you know. I know, but it wasn't even his nemesis. It was James Brolin's nemesis, Yulbrenner, right? No. He, because, no, because he, um, Yulbrenner, it starts in the bar with Yulbrenner, um, telling mustache guy that, I don't know, something, he wasn't, he wasn't, yeah, drinking. but James Brolin shoots Couldn't him. Couldn't hold first, his liquor. He? No. No, James Brolin eggs the other guy on to shoot him because, it's been a while since I saw this movie. Because Yulbrenner said to him, um, 
you you can't hold your liquor because he make they make him drink whiskey and he does right. exactly what I did when I drank whiskey for the first time, which is go <laughs> and spit it up everywhere. I've never drunk whiskey since. Um, and Yulbrenner makes fun of him for that, and James Rowland's like, "You're just gonna let that stand? Shoot him!" And so right, eventually right, he gets egged into it. Yeah. I, for some reason, I thought it was so. It more is. Between... It is his enemy, like enemy. Oh no, he does. He shoots him twice, and then James Rowland says the third time, "It's my turn." Yeah, and that's when he gets killed. I remember. Sorry, that yeah. was. I don't know why I thought that. I think it's partly because I actually thought James Rowland was the main character for like the first. Well, he's so he's got you know the charm and yeah, the... he's got so much more charisma than the other guys, so he feels more like he should be the main character because you're not watching yeah. the other guy, you're watching him. Yeah, and he's like the name actor, and he's the one who gets shot a third, two thirds of the way through. So yeah, yeah. I just it, it took me a while to realize it wasn't until they split up. I think in, in the prostitute bit where I was like, oh, he's not the main character. It's this other guy who I've barely noticed up <laughs> until now. That yeah. is definitely a storytelling problem. But yeah, I, I don't know. I just found it. Um, I actually found it really enjoyable to watch, even yeah. though I was bored a lot of the time. Like the the ideas that it gave me, it was more intellectually engaging than a lot of movies um, about similar subjects recently. Yeah. But I think I almost feel like it was. <laughs> it's like a trap. That like people saw it thinking that they were watching a movie about evil AI, but they were actually watching a movie about the f- the you know evil humans. foibles of humans. Yeah, I just it was interesting on that level. Yes, even though it wasn't the most exciting. And also, Yulbrin is he's great. Yeah, <laughs> he really does make you feel like. I think that's another reason why you, you're watching Yulbrinner and James Brolin, and you're not watching Mustachioed Man. Yeah, um, because Yulbrinner again, like for the whole end of it, I was like, I hope he gets him. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I was really hoping that he would catch up because it was like, and then watching him slowly degrade and, and fall to pieces and stuff was interesting. Although the poster for it had this kind of Terminator effect, which is another reason why I thought it was made in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just looking at the poster now and I, I see what you're talking about. Yeah, which doesn't happen in the movie. No. There is a bit right at the end where he's no, just your robot is, face. There is a bit where they take his face off, in, but it's it's – at nighttime in the like hospital ward. Yeah, that's right. They do take his face off, but yeah. But um, the, no, I don't know if there's there's a couple of posters, but one of them actually has a terminate. Like you can see his robot yeah. eye. Yeah. Would I think that's part of the reason why I thought it was so much later because that doesn't actually happen. I don't think they had the ability to do that. No. But what they did do with what they had was pretty good. I yeah, thought. And, and it never felt like a movie where they. It didn't feel too much like a movie where they didn't have the technology to be able. No, to do things. there were a couple of scenes where they. Where um, Yulbrenner's character's got special pixel vision, yeah, and they look a bit dodgy. But everything else, nothing else is um, is visual effects. Every, uh, no, nothing else is like digital effects. Everything else is like practical. practical. So yeah. it, it looks good, and it actually really looks good. Like they yeah. use the setting well. It's um, they obviously have a good sensibility about film shooting the Wild West and stuff, and they use lens flares, and it looks pretty. It does, in spite of the fact that I really felt like again, I felt like it was shot on a back lot. Oh, like, big time! Yeah, 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 yeah. It had that well, kind of feel to it. Westerns do, don't they? Like, yeah, yeah. It, that's the. I mean, unless they're actually shot on location, yeah. they do have that kind of backlotty feel, and this one yeah. had that. And, and but especially that ye oldy medieval castle as well. That always looks like a backlot. But I didn't too. feel like that hurt it too much because, I mean, these were supposed to be theme parks. Yeah, exactly. It's not. <laughs> you're not meant to be in the real world, right? So, so like the only time that you were meant to feel like you were in the real world was kind of that beginning bit, and that felt real enough to me. Um, being stuck on a train, even if it's a hover, hover train, <laughs> hover train is, feels the same yeah. and, and being like, and that little interview bit, you know, at the beginning. Yeah. That was fun. I thought that was fun. I did too. I thought like, I thought that was a really good way to get you into the movie. It was clever. Yeah. I thought overall this movie was really good. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I enjoyed it too much more than I was expecting to. And 
now I'm, I'm interested to watch the. I thought you would like it. That's yeah, I mean, very interested to watch do it. the show now, the TV show. So yeah. that would be good to do. Um, show, shall we give it ratings? Sure. I'm going to give Westworld four out of five stars. I am going for three and a half, um, largely because I found the pacing a bit slow. But yeah, three and a half for me. I am adjusting a little bit for when it was made as well. Yeah, I think I, if I had seen this in 1973, I probably would have been blown away by it. Probably, yeah. Okay. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to find our show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. In, if you want to find us on social media, we're on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens, on Twitter at screen underscore queens, and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>